Hello, my name is Susanna Tresillian and I'm a theatre director specialising in international theatre and a BBC Radio 4 producer. Welcome to this National Theatre podcast. I'm here at the National Theatre with Tena Stivicic, Croatian playwright whose play Three Winters opens soon in the Littleton Theatre. Tena's had her plays performed extensively all over the UK and Europe and on BBC Radio 4. Tena, you and your fascinating plays had been on my radar for some time, and we finally met when we were both working at the Zakem National Theatre in Zagreb last year. Okay, Tena, let's talk about Three Winters, um, which is your first play written for the National Theatre. Tell us a little bit about the play. So the play is set within a family over the course of 75 years, beginning with 1945, and then 1919-2011, but also with a couple of other characters bringing in the spirit of even earlier times of the monarchy, the Austro-Hungarian monarchy that Croatia belonged to. It's set within that one house because it's fascinating, you know, what happens to properties also, not just people, mm-hmm. um, over the course of such a tumultuous um, century. So it's set in a house that was built by the aristocracy at the beginning of the 20th century. In the center of Zagreb. In the center of Zagreb, yes. Um, But then after the World War II, uh, all the aristocratic properties were nationalized. Uh, So they were taken over by the communists. And then they were a lot of the big houses, aristocratic houses, were were, um, sort of partitioned off and compartmentalized and given away to various families to uh, live in, in a kind of a tenancy agreement, Um, which means that now a house where one family lived suddenly housed three or four families. Um, But then over the course of the 45 years of Yugoslavia, they really became um, not legally owners, but but sort of emotionally and, and, you know, mentally owners of those properties. And then then after the collapse of socialism, um, now suddenly, you know, with with this kind of new version of... uh, capitalism that's in place in Croatia, um, those houses are up for um, purchase for the first time probably in in the history of many families, uh, private property is a notion that's uh, available. Um, although of course financially not very many are able to buy properties. Uh, and that's sort of the that that's sort of the setting of the play, and it kind of um, informs a lot of the um, events that take place. And we're following a family um, in 1945 when they first move into that house, um, and then over a funeral in 1990, at just at the brink of um, the collapse of Yugoslavia and then over a wedding in 2011. Um, And at the time of the referendum um, for joining the EU in Croatia. So three very 
very different, very kind of seismic uh, events in the society, but also important events within the family life. Mm. Yes, we see those um, three. I suppose the the only um, the only missing element is birth. Otherwise, we have you know transferal of a family. Yeah. We have um, death. We have the union of marriage. Tell me. What was your starting point for Three Winters? Well, the inspiration for it uh, has been with me, I think, for quite a long time, and it took a while for the various motifs to sort of, you know, crystallize into a story. But I suppose, you know, realizing that, uh, realizing that we all live in a in a in a pretty in a male dominant culture. Um, and realizing that um, gender stereotypes and preconceptions are so ingrained in our civilization, that's, um, that's I suppose, a process, and it's not something that's intrinsic to women, the, that understanding or that knowledge. But So it, it happens to some, and, or, it, or it doesn't, depending on your experience, I suppose, and, and um, your exposure to information and education and so forth. So when I first woke up to that realization, then it was very important to me to start looking into and understanding the um, women in my family, my mother, her sister, my grandmother, my going back all the way to my great-grandmother, understanding their experience and their history and their path. And um, and I actually found an incredibly interesting arc there from my great-grandmother, who was um, a working-class maid in a posh house at the beginning of the 20th century, who was barely literate, uh, who had a child out of wedlock, uh, which stigmatized her for the rest of her life, and who had no voice to express her position or her frustration or, you know. And then each next generation... I found went a step further with in education in independence, and I wanted to look at a story of a family where that path happens, and what the kind of socio-political events in our country were that influenced those changes and those shifts, and in fact made them happen. So, um, 1945. Um, Socialism and Yugoslavia were largely responsible for um, a shift in, in gender roles, uh, in gender identities, and for the education becoming widely available. So, um, so those are the things that were kind of, you know, the, the, the starting point for the play. But of course, you know, it, the play has really moved away from my personal family history, and I can't really say that this play is about my family anymore at all. But... Um, but it is a dedication to the women in my family, certainly. So the fact that you started from your family and you've branched out, um, how, did you, how did you go about researching to make sure, I suppose, that the history was, was right? Or, or did you know that already? Oh, well, I still don't know that, <laughs> whether the history is, you know, there, there are so many versions of history. And I think um, um, I'm, I, this play is not about presenting an objective truth um, of what happened there. I think there is many <clears throat> versions of the 
our history is there are people and um, I think the play does give several viewpoints on um, some of the important events that took place in, in the history. But, um, you know, Yugoslavia and Croatia uh, in the past 100 years have gone through uh, so many incredibly tumultuous periods and so many things have happened. Uh, but the play is not trying to um, portray um, the last 100 years or the last 75 years of Yugoslavia and Croatia. Um, it's really the center of gravity is 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 this family and the women in the family. You know, it's not easy actually to research women, women writing, writing about women for women because there isn't very much of it. So when I started researching the play, I went to the National Library in Zagreb um, and I tried to get access to as many um, magazines, newspapers dating all the way back to the being the beginning of the century um the people at the national library were uh, were incredibly helpful to me apart from that i just um i just talked to a lot of i talked to my family a lot um and friends elderly friends who have been you know around since uh, before second world war it's difficult to find the right tone because there isn't very much in the way of kind of urban literature or films that could really give you a true flavor of how people spoke or what people you know what what relationships were like um there were a lot of kind of partisan films from from that time <laughs> which i did look at uh, but it was mostly trying to get my family to remember the customs, the everyday life, the values, the um, expectations, you know, um, just everyday childhood things, um, food, um, various cultural events, various, you know, things that make your everyday life. That was very, that was very helpful. I think that comes across very clearly in the play as the 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 three atmospheres yes. that you've created are, are very very different and very um, feel very truthful. Thank you. Well, you're welcome. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I mean I I did certainly try to achieve a very different feel to each of the periods. You know, um, a different way of how people use language, a different way of how people express emotions, you know. Um, I mean, to a certain degree, I am speculating, of course, you know, when it comes to 1945. But I do think that it was a very different time with very different values, that it was a very unsentimental time. Um, it was quite austere. Um, but on the other hand, had a very, very strong belief system um so so i i was very conscious of trying to of trying to create a different feel and a different atmosphere to each of the periods but at the same time incorporate moments and events that are going to carry us across to diff to to the next period you know as a dramatist i find that very um uh, fun and a playful thing to do but also as a member of the audience i like 
that kind of dramaturgy that's, you know, cyclical in a way and that allows you to make those connections, you know. I looked at a lot of um, photographs, both from my family and from other people and just archives of photographs. And it's so interesting to see, um, you know, it's interesting to, to see a person that you know uh, and look at their pictures when they were a child and just see the glimpse of that personality in a, that you know in a three-year-old, you know. Mm-hmm. And so trying to identify some events that, that happen when people are, you know, children that are going to have a knock-on effect on them um, when they're grown-ups, um, I think that in, in, in the scope of this play was a very interesting thing to toy with a little bit. Mm. I think that's interesting because identity and belonging is something that is intrinsic in my reading um, for for three winters. Um, you you symbolize that in um, how the family relate to the house. This enormous um, enormous house covered in in ivy, and the ivy sort of grows and grows and grows mm. as the as the decades pass. Um, that they all in some way or another belong to. Um, And then identity, a a cultural and a national identity. Can we talk a little bit about the the national and political identity? Because what I find fascinating um, when I'm I'm looking at it objectively and looking at um, how this must have affected Croatians over time, um, what your play looks at very clearly is um, the the danger of uh, choosing a side or of having to choose a side um, and the repercussions if you, you follow your heart and you happen to have made the wrong choice. For example, how those, um, those choices that people mm. have made... Um, be that in the Second World War, be that at the collapse of Yugoslavia, um, be that uh, the joining of um, of the European Union, um, those those moments that must have happened in families where they had to they had to make choices, and yeah. suddenly family members become political. Um, was that something that you? Um, was that something that you've you've seen a lot in Croatia and wanted to explore? What I what I find very um, intriguing and fascinating, um, and also heartbreaking, is that it's easy to look at things with hindsight and sort of have a a very wise opinion of uh, what happened and what the right or the wrong choices would have been. A lot of the times, when you're in the midst of some tectonic shifts in the society like like wars are, um, you sort of adapt very quickly to the situation and you don't really have the objective view of it that would allow you to um, analyze your actions and how they're going to be viewed 20 years later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there's a... You know, there's a bit in in the play. Forgive me for quoting myself, Please but um, about how uh, a character says that 
um, there were people who thought that different rules apply in the war. But actually, the only thing that happens in the war is that it becomes it becomes the new normal for a while, and you lose sight of the fact that it's going to pass one day, and that the actual normal is going to come back, and then you will have to look back and justify the actions and the decisions that you took and made. So that's something that I've certainly as been part of my life and I've seen a lot of in um, in my experience of growing up in Croatia but I think every generation has seen some of yeah absolutely um, what what comes across so so beautifully is how the how the human is political and the political is human and, yeah um, but it but how that affects then family relationships mm. and um, the the love that they have yeah. for each other or how it can it can break relationships well it can really be a well. stigma on a family you know in um you choose the wrong side in the war sometimes uh, well not sometimes actually most times it's not even through choice people just get drafted and and not everybody is brave enough or informed enough or courageous enough to to stand up to that and then people get drafted but then the other side wins and then for the rest of your life your family is stigmatized as part of that you know uh, part of that side so um so there are a lot of um accidental tragedies that affect um a whole you know one or two or three generations yeah in fact there's something um there's something funny i'm now going to quote your own playback to you <laughs> um which is um masha at the end yeah. near the end not as hopefully not a spoiler um there's an extraordinary speech where she um, she talks about trying to keep an open mind, yeah, and that struggle um, that Croatians are appear to be a people who um, who try to keep an open mind as the world changes inevitably and relentlessly around them. Um, she also says that her mind she she worries that that open mind is shrinking. What, what were you what were you trying to say with that well can i just uh, can i just say that, that you know i'm not i'm not really trying to represent croatians um uh, i really you know i wouldn't want that to be the um the assumption i'm just uh, honestly trying to tell a story about a family um but um when it comes to that speech and that character it's she is a woman in her 70s by by then, you know. And um it's simply about how long can you how long in your life can you maintain that sense of keeping an open mind and not succumbing to prejudice and not succumbing to preconceptions um if you've seen that keeping an open mind has cost you in the past. So <laughs> that it's not the most uh, pragmatic uh, way to go through life. That said, um, when when the, the audience here at the National watch this play, um, do you hope that they'll understand Croatia a little better? 
it's not my ambition to educate. It's not my ambition even to inform. You know, hopefully any good play leaves people with um, either wanting to know more or having some additional questions or having a greater insight into whatever the world of the play uh, was but but I really you know I'm not I'm not an ambassador for Croatia and I'm not trying to tell its history I'm I'm really interested in the human condition um I mean I think that's what theater is for um so that kind of you know tr trying to trying to share a little bit more of the human experience and trying to I don't know um um point a, a, a light to certain things that I'm that I'm trying to make sense of myself um, and sharing that with the audience I, that's really my only um, hope and ambition you spoke a little earlier about um, about your interest in in the role of in in the position of women yes um, and one of the things I, um, I I love and makes me very happy about this is partly that the play has got a lot of women in it. Mm -hmm. It's a large cast. Mm. It's on one of the main stages here, and mm. it um, unapologetically is it has a majority of women on the stage. But also that it's it's casually so. There's a there's a sort of happenstance to it. Um, mm -hmm. Somebody throws away a comment, Vlad or throws away a comment saying, um, "Ah, you know, for the last three generations, it's only been women born," and that's the the only explanation for um, for why this family happens to be full yeah. of women. Wonderful. Um, so let's talk about the um, you know that that evolving position of women when when the baton is being passed from mother to daughter yeah. in each generation um can you describe what what you feel each generation was learning from the previous well you know what i was looking at was how um positive cho well how choices affect the next generation both in a positive and in a negative way and in the way that, and that way that um, some choices that are made um, with all the best intentions then have negative effects on the next generation. Such as? Um, well, perhaps not choices, but such as the fact that Rose, the character of Rose, who was a partisan, who was incredibly you know, brave, resilient, who um, whose choices about bringing the family into this house um, have really set them on on set the family on a certain path, living in that house. Um, but by being a woman like she was, she was also not very tender. She wasn't very emotional. She didn't. She didn't have that. Um, emotional vocabulary to um, to bring up her daughters with a sense of um, self-esteem or with a sense of feeling, you know, secure and loved, even though her whole life was geared towards making sure that 
they grow up in a better country, in a more just world, that they have equal opportunities, that they have better opportunities than she had when she was growing up um, in, a, in, in, in a rigid class society. So her intentions were, um, were great. And in fact, of course, a lot of good came out of her intentions. But like every generation, when you look back at, at your parents, there are things that you resent. And, the, and you can, if you have any self-knowledge, you can identify the, the moments that, um, that have caused you uh, harm, even unintentionally. So uh, I was interested in, in that, you know, dual uh, influence of mothers over daughters. Tell me about the transition then from uh, Masha to uh, Alisa and Lucia. Well, Masha, who is who is uh, Rose's daughter, who has um, spent her you know whole life not really sticking up for herself, even though the even though the world around her was such that it gave her more opportunities and more independence and to a certain degree um, um, a safer, happier life than the previous generations. But um, she she says at one point that the way that she makes amends to herself is by uh, trying to teach her daughters that they own their destiny. But by teaching them that, by teaching them to be independent, by teaching them to go for it, essentially. And, um, you know, kind of sky's the limit. Make their own choices. Make their own choices. She, uh, she's so successful at that, that at the end she ends up with two daughters that, that make no sense to her. That she doesn't you know, understand. That, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, we get... Um, this brings us on to the very interesting characters of Lucia and, and Alisa, who are the, um, the the newest generation. They are part of the 2011 part of, um, of the play. Um, and that happens over the, um, the night before Lucia's wedding. Now, Alisa has come back from England, where she lives. Um, Tell me about Alitza, because she um, she seems to be the the outsider looking in. Mm-hmm. Um, what were you? What did she mean to you? Why why did you bring why did you bring her in from the UK? I think you know family life is is very very interesting and fun and rich as a world to set a play in and then to have an outsider coming in is uh, it's, you know it's just you have to have that mm-hmm. um <laughs> but also um there's um i noticed in 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 doing my research but also just for my family life every generation has um emigres yeah um for different reasons whether they are economic uh, migrants, political refugees, uh, intellectual refugees, but um, but it is my experience that in all our families, uh, there are always uh, every generation has one relative who moves away, mm. um, and so in this play in 1945, there are uh, political emigres who uh, who are Nazi collaborators and who flee to Argentina. In the 1990 bit, um, there is uh, Dunya, one of the sisters, 
um, arrives from Germany where she lives as a as a well economic migrant. And then there's Elisa in the present day uh, part of the play, who is, I suppose, a sort of an intellectual migrant. Um, so that, uh, again, as a cycle, um, I thought was something that, that was interesting to explore. But of course, also having that outsider um, view was important because it kind of, um, it, 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 it is an immediate source of conflict. And I think that you know, for um, for people who move who move from their original countries and and live abroad, um, they end up in a sort of a fairly um, absurd situation of rather than having two homes, they they don't have a single home because mm. they don't really feel like they belong in. Uh, where they originally grew up, they don't feel like they belong there, and it's very difficult to develop that sense of belonging in a new environment. Um, but um, but going back to, I think we all. I mean that that's you know that that's certainly my experience. But um, I think we all go back expecting to find some kind of sense of you know security and shelter and familiarity um, when we go back home. But um, the home that we know is intent on changing, and <laughs> that's not something that we, um, we migrants or emigres or you know people who live abroad, um, accept very easily. No, and that comes, yeah, and that that comes across. Um, it comes across very clearly. I mean, Alisa is is a very. Um, She's a very strong character yeah. who um, who really challenges the family um, with her sense of returning and the the new light that she sees things. Well, you know through. what? What it, for me is important to look in in terms of this generation and um, and the character of Elisa allows me to do that is also to uh, look at the regressive trends of today and the backlash of uh, at against feminism and the kind of, you know, uh, this is not only the case in Croatia, this is the case everywhere, I think, in the West um, <clears throat> as well, the, the, the trend of, you know, renouncing the word feminist and the hypersexualization of women and the kind of uh, incredible focus on femininity that's everywhere. Um, and as part of the whole, you know, I think, regressive uh, neoconservative trends that are swallowing Europe so that was um, so 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 that was what I wanted to look at in the conflict and the relationship between the two sisters in the com contemporary time of the play a question I um, wanted to ask and I'm interested in is um you languages that you write in you're evidently totally bilingual um, so how does do you write in Croatian, um, and how does your writing differ? I write in both languages, depending on subject matter, depending on commissions. Um, I'm, um, I mean, there's always more to learn, certainly in in a foreign language, but even in your own language, you know. So I'm I'm really not quite there yet where I'd like to be in terms of my. Um, um, command of <laughs> language, <laughs> but um, but for, th for this play, 
I was the first few drafts that I wrote, I wrote in both English and Croatian. I was sort of writing in parallel because um because the play set in Croatia, I really felt I needed to hear those characters in their own language. Um but at the same time, I didn't want to end up with a finished play which I will then have to translate because I think um plays in translation are always plays in translation they always lose a dimension in the translation um so i was writing in parallel but that's a that, that that's a very strange process because um language takes characters certain places um and certainly certain you know moments just in a, in a language that have references that they don't have in other lang in, in another language will suddenly just change the direction of a scene. So I kept coming up with <clears throat> I kept coming up with two different versions of the same scene or the same play. Um which is fine. I can, you know, it's my play so I can do that. The the trouble is when you then have to translate it to yet a different language. So my German translators are pretty confused when they get two different <laughs> versions of the play. But um it's uh it's it's I mean in the end I abandoned that process and I focused on uh on the English version only because uh quite apart from anything else it's incredibly time consuming and it is a little bit you know it's it's a little bit disconcerting to shift between two languages uh, all the time I suppose once you'd got the um once you got the characters shaped in your brain, you know, you, you in your heart, you knew mm. who they were. Perhaps with with the Croatian basis, was it then easier to to hear them in the English language? Yes, I mean, uh, you know, there was a point when I practically forgot what they sounded like in Croatian. Um, I haven't really looked at that version for quite a while, and now. I not only hear them in English, but now I hear them in the in the voices of the actors in rehearsals, you know. So, um, but I think that's that's a pretty natural uh, process. Oh, I wish we had more time to to talk about all of this. Um, two uh, two quick questions. So, um, the play is in rehearsal at the moment. Uh, how's how's it going? Um, I'd. I don't want to jinx anything, but I think that it's it's running pretty smoothly. It's it's Howard Davis who's, it is, who's yes. directing it. You've worked with him. I haven't, but I've seen a lot of his work, and I've been I've really been a fan of his work ever since you know ever since I came here um, ten eleven years ago. So um, so I'm very fortunate that he's directing this. You are indeed. Um, you you've written for other national theatres. Croatia and yeah. Slovenia, for example. Um, how did you feel writing your first play for for the National Theatre of of Great Britain? Um, I I don't know. I find it at the moment. I find it quite. I'm I'm in a I'm I'm on the part of the curve where at the moment I find it quite overwhelming. You know, but um, I think you know. You just, as as we were talking about in a different context before, you just kind of go with it, and um, and I suppose um, you know artists are made of um, conviction and doubt, so uh, so it's a constant kind of seesaw between 
those two. But I'm so, you know, I'm so happy that that it is here. The National really, I mean, <laughs> but the Na the National Theater really has been one of the places that um, I fell in love with when I first came to visit, even as a as a um, uh, tourist. Um, and on each of my visits, I returned here, and um, so I'm I'm incredibly, uh, I feel incredibly privileged that the play is on here. And finally, the play will open in a few weeks' time, um, and then what does the future hold for you? What what will you be doing? Um, well, I think that entirely depends on how the play goes. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I, um, I'm, I'm working on an adaptation, a film adaptation of my previous play called Invisible. It's at, um, at the, the quite sort of late stages of... Uh, development at the moment and if all goes well we're going to be filming um, next autumn and that's with the director of No Man's Land yes Dani Stanovic who Oscar directed winner. Oscar winner yes um, and I'm also I'm, I'm working on a new idea for, for a new film or perhaps a play but it's a little early to disclose <laughs> How exciting. Well, I look forward to more discussions about um, about your theatre writing, about your film writing, um, and uh, and on the other side of, um, of Three Winters opening. So, best of luck with that. Thank and you. thank you very much for speaking with us. Thank you.